Kit. Thank you so much for being here. Do you know, the last recording that I did, it was also in the evening, well, our evening. And I had my little glass of bubbles with me. I got my little glass of bubbles today. I almost feel like... Uh, Monday. Why not? All right. I'm, I'm recording the podcast. I feel lame. I should go and get a sherry. You really should? I might get the wife to bring me a sherry. The wife? Yeah, my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm like, how can we call him the wife? You're so rude. <laughs> yeah, text him and say, bring you a sherry. Obvious. This is, this is, uh, you know, this is chill time. This is like girl chat. I said, um, when I had one of my other guests on called Charlotte, I said to her, this feels for me like that secret conversation that black women have together when anyone who's not black has got the glass pl- like pressed up against the window, against the door, like, what are they talking about? I want to hear, I want to hear, like that kind of conversation. I'm like, yes, but those kinds of conversations we need one <laughs> or some sort of alcohol. Don't worry though, when I'm recording during the day, there will not be any, there will not be the presence, but this is, it's 8pm, 7pm your yeah. time, like it's fun. Let's it's get fun. into it. Right. Monday Monday is just another day. Like, let's get into it. <laughs> no, but you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to have you here. First of all, as one of our inaugural guests for the Black Women Parlay podcast, one of the fundamental, like, initial members of Black Women Parlay network. And I'm really proud and really happy that you kind of just always supported. And in many cases, this is what this podcast is all about, talking Black Women Parlay for me is meant to be that space of that. I know you've got sisters, but <laughs> outside of your sisters, you know, having that sisterhood that you never knew you needed. Yeah. Creating that space to have these kinds of conversations, not just talking about what everybody else is talking about. Oh, the microaggressions and whatever. I'm not saying they don't all exist and they don't have a mm. place, but really acknowledging the fact that we are in a special place. And what do we do with that responsibility? Mm-hmm. But what do how do we connect with the challenges that we face right now? And how can we carve a path for those who come behind us to ensure that they don't face the same challenges, which yeah. I think is a different dynamic than kind of having what I'm going to call the complaints table, mm-hmm. uh, which there are always things to complain about. But I think there's a certain level of we're solution driven women who are yeah. trying to kind of push forward change the narrative I'm going to call it lean into luxury lean into the things that make us happy um really take our mindfulness and our intentionality seriously just not you know not just in the way we work but also in the way we live and I think that's that's what I love and you know let's let's also keep it real there aren't that many black black female CEOs across Europe as it is and you know for me that was one of those things around previously I was the managing director of and I changed it into CEO because at the beginning I didn't want to seem too much of or you know I didn't want people to look at me or think or whatever but actually what it came down to was part of embracing who I am and where I sit yes. is accepting the title. Now, people can, you can have whatever title you want, but in my mind, I am a CEO. I embody that, so I should live it. And that's why I love the fact that you, you've you just been the CEO anyway. You're like, yes, that's me. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I started off in the first, first sort of little bit, I started off as founder because I thought that founder was yeah less showy than CEO mm-hmm. and I thought to myself but what 
what am I going to be like what is this supposed to be Mm -hmm. you know I'm I'm growing an organization that's my plan so my title needs to reflect that um you know and I know you see these sort of these posts and I know people who've posted this so like there's no shade but you know you, you can't be a CEO of one or you can't be a CEO of 10 it's like well there is that but there's also something about setting your stall out and saying well this is what I am going to do mm-hmm. um, and part of the reason that I didn't want to do it in the first place was 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 what you've just said just like I don't want people to think mm-hmm. x y or z you know whatever that might be and it's like why why am I concerned about that actually mm. I'm creating a business to change the game right so I need to have a title which reflects that correct and it's that part around and, you know, I know we're going to be talking about this today, but this towing this line between self-preservation and authenticity. Mm-hmm. If I call myself a CEO, am I going to be am I going to be putting a target on my back for people to yeah. criticize me, to think that I'm too big for my boots? I'm this, I'm that. Yeah. Well, am I being authentically myself by not giving myself the title that I live every day? absolutely there's something about and I don't I don't know why we do it but we try to reduce ourselves Mm -hmm. like we we seek to minimize ourselves so it's like well and I think you're right to say like I don't want that target on my back I don't Mm. want people to be looking for reasons why maybe I'm not a CEO so if I don't say I'm a CEO then we can't have that conversation you know and it's like well that's again if we think about yeah that authenticity piece so what what am I saying to my clients, my customers, you know, my contacts about who they should be and how they should show up? And then how do I then go and completely, I try to make myself invisible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I have talked about this a lot, right? That I just, I just don't like putting myself <laughs> out there. And you're like, listen, get yourself out there. <laughs> Slash, I'm going to get you out there, you know. Therefore, today. <laughs> <laughs> hence today but like you spend so much time doing that and these things seem like very small decisions don't they oh I'm just going to change my title on LinkedIn to x but actually the thinking that's gone behind it in terms of why it was the other way is actually quite a lot correct you know, it's, it's a big it's a big shift um and then also when people start referring to you as or responding to you as you're like oh yeah that is that is who I am. That is what I do every day. Yeah. Or for me, it was, you know, when you're sending your bio to uh, and you're a panelist or you're doing a keynote or whatever, and someone said, "Oh yeah, I've just put you, I put your title in as CEO and uh, CEO and founder," and they go, "Oh, I'm sorry, I went to your website, but why aren't you using CEO?" And then all of a sudden, I was like, mm-hmm. "For what? Good mm-hmm. point. Well made. Why am I not? Why am I not? Yeah. Right. Be my job." And it so, was, and it, and it and it sometimes this level of affirmation and validation that we seek, we seek it from someone else to kind of give us permission to say, oh yeah, that's okay. Yes. Do you it's, know <laughs> someone gave me permission to call myself a CEO by basically saying, why are you not doing that? And I was like, okay. If you're saying that, then like then then that's okay. That's actually how it happened and it's it seems 
pathetic now to think about no it, it doesn't no no it doesn't no. seem pathetic at all it seems completely rational and logical because it was the same for me um my CSO John he was like how why am I a CSO and you're a managing director that doesn't make any sense mm. he's like you're the CEO and you're the chair because you you know you have this group I was like oh yeah right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. And it's and it's how we grapple with, and I think especially when you're moving out of the domain, you obviously you've been longer in the game than I have, but especially when you're moving out of this domain of corporate yes. and corporate structures and corporate titles. And don't get me wrong, we are still corporate, no question about that, but we get to define the title and how we show up. Yes. And it's like how how can I always make sure that I'm myself? But we still like I am a I am not scared of confrontation in any which way, shape or form. But mm. when it comes to business, if I can reduce, to your point, minimize, mm. be very reductive to minimize the, you know, just in general business, the laws are minimize the points of friction yes. <laughs> to allow yourself to progress, right? Yeah. If the title is one, that's going to minimize friction. You almost feel like no, but then at the same time, what I've understood and what I've not even just what I've understood, what I've seen is when you comport yourself a certain way and you're having certain types of discussions, mm. Your title in that sense becomes immaterial because no one then questions it because they see that you know your stuff. Yes. They see that you're talking to them as somebody with experience. They see that you're mm. talking to them with somebody as someone as a place of knowing. But that initial hurdle is no matter where we go, putting titles aside is protection first. Yeah. Fun afterwards. <laughs> it's true. But also I think. I mean, frankly, and I think it is, it's definitely a thing in the world of corporate, but, but I suppose the world generally, is we've been conditioned to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been conditioned to describe ourselves within with in in smaller terms than mm -hmm. we actually show up. And as you say, that's a that's a protection thing, that's a self-preservation thing, because we know the response that we get when actually we're if we define ourselves accurately. The response that you get isn't always so welcoming to that. So you go, okay, I might be CEO, but I'm going to call myself managing director because yeah, there's less friction, there's less potential for conflict there. Mm. You know, people are very happy for me to under describe myself. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, so then we go with that um, until we have someone tell us that that's nonsense. Right, right. We lit. We don't get to fully live our accomplishments in a mm. meaningful way we always have to try and live our accomplishments in the hope of making other people feel comfortable like I still remember so funny a guy connected with me on LinkedIn and he connected with me on LinkedIn had a really interesting business wanted to me to be an ambassador so I started kind of prodding and pressing like why who what do you do how does this benefit yes it's a it's a women's focused product and you're a man launching it and all your team is male and everybody's white and you want me to be a black ambassador so what are you doing for black women mm. as we're going through this conversation we're going we're going we're going all of a sudden he starts to question my credentials. So then I said to him, yes, yeah, so, so I said to him, I said, look, you know, really nice talking to you, but you do realize that this is not a job interview. <laughs> you do realize that you contacted 
me because you were looking for a black woman to be an ambassador for your business uh that is not mm. i have to do my due diligence because you don't get the value of my face and my sign in for me to then bring black women to you when i don't know what you're doing for black women yeah it's, it's, isn't it funny though it's like the audacity the audacity of it that they think that they you would just co-sign but I think this is what people get used to. And I think it's, you know, when I think I think even about uh, there's this one infographic that I did, which was all around like being not being seen as a difficult black woman at work. Right. When yeah. you're if you make a complaint, if you raise an issue. And I think it's sometimes the same is that the expectation of us and sometimes because we want to avoid confrontation and you think, oh, OK, just I'll let it go just for an easy life. But what I think is definitely happening now is that the more of us who are speaking just about life experiences, and it doesn't always have to be, and this is what I say to people, not everybody has to be an activist, excuse me. Yeah. <clears throat> this isn't about activism. It's about recognizing that there are more black women who are willing to speak up, even if it's not publicly, but they're still willing now. We're still willing to have those conversations where we go, actually, you know what, this is all good, but this wasn't as good as I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. Whereas before, I think we were stuck in this thing about, I don't know about you, but I could have never imagined at the time I was there complaining about any of the things I was going through at work because you just didn't want to be that one. And that yeah. was even to black friends. Yeah. You just put up, shut up and carried on. Yeah. Or just, you know, and in, and in some senses, like not just put up and shut up, sometimes like really sometimes like I, like I certainly noticed that I like sometimes facilitated it right mm -hmm. because you kind of go it's that's easier that's an easier existence for me to have to sort of smooth this out somehow and kind of make it easier for you all mm -hmm. than to be the person who says anything really counter to it you know um which is given where I am now and kind of what I'm working to create with my team and my company I just think oh, you know you just think oh, I, I wish I could talk to Kit from 10 years ago you know and just and just be like listen there are ways that you can actually challenge what's going on around you that don't kind of fall into that confrontation space where you where you feel like you're putting yourself putting a target on your back or exposing yourself in some way there are ways to do this without kind of participating I feel like I participated a lot um to get by but I think I th but I think this is the importance of this conversation because there cannot be any judgment for participating mm -hmm. because we did not know any better and mm -hmm. at the time anybody who looked like us who was in the public eye they would not have been talking about any of their issues no. because the correlation for most black people and you know I have strong feelings about this in terms of in America because black culture mm -hmm. is embedded in American culture even though they don't want to call it black mm -hmm. this part about coming from the hood and the ghetto is very much embedded in the the American dream as well right so mm -hmm. just because somebody's hood doesn't mean if you think of all the black celebrities they still go back to the hood they still make references yes their tastes you know elevate with money but they they still hang on to where they come from mm -hmm. whereas within the UK because we're so classicist as well 
you find that a lot of well-to-do black people are like, oh yeah, racism doesn't happen to me because I'm too rich for that. I've 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 I've, I've, I've out earned that whole situation. <laughs> I've out earned. <laughs> Listen, I call it I call it incidental blackness. There are a lot of people who are coincidentally black. That 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 is it. Because mm-hmm. when you talk about anything else, they've never spoken about anything. Up on, it was never a problem for them until it was, you know, a money-making opportunity. Then they're like, oh, yeah, I'm black, I'm black, I'm black. But there are a lot of people even today who in an act of self a lot of women today who in an act of self-preservation, be it for being able to have financial security, being able to have any sort of security, mm-hmm. are forced to play the game to yeah. stay invisible and get on yeah and there's no there's no there's no shade there's no judgment there because Mm -hmm. sometimes that's what it comes down to it comes down to I need to survive another day and maybe when I get to a certain point and this is not a financial thing this could be like a psychological thing this could be you know so many different things this is not to do with money but when I get to a certain point, then I will have the strength emotionally, psychologically to yeah. fight this battle. Yeah. But you have to be prepared because with that battle or with that one moment when you decide to take a stand, it triggers so yeah. many other events that are then out of your control. Mm. That once you do that, it's not just the one thing you do that's going to be. It's like a whole it's a whole game changer, a whole life changer. Yeah, I think it's that um, that point that you that you were just talking about there is like, like I remember when it was. I remember thinking to myself, "Oh, I just need to get there, and then it will be all good." And I remember kind of being very like probably at my most you know senior within a corporate environment, and realizing like that moment where I realized that actually. It's not going to change. I'm just more senior, so so I need to I need to look and to do something else. I need to look to create something else if I'm going to actually be able to do what I want to do and be my authentic self and all of that kind of stuff that the mm. corporate world tells you it wants you to be. Actually, at the time, and it feels like decades ago, but it wasn't. It was like what five six years ago. Mm. Um, the world of corporate actually wasn't ready for that at all didn't want it it's not that it wasn't ready for it didn't actively didn't want it didn't Um, want it and there were no regulatory or legislative reasons for it to change (laughs) or or frankly or commercial drivers for it to change right there was there were there were zero reasons for anybody to pay attention to it you know unfortunately a lot of what we're seeing now is is the you know the fear of legislation coming so people are like let's let's prep um or the fact that industry uh and and um you know the commercial driver is now saying we need to see more black women we need to see more black people you know you're seeing organizations and brands all over the shop saying oh you know we support black women we're going to do this for black women because because there is money to be made correct and they've exhausted all the other exhausted all the other avenues who are now highly indebted and they need a new income stream yeah 
but the, the 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 other reality about it is is that a lot of these brands cannot step to us yet because as and I dare say a lot of us and I'm looking at you and I'm looking at myself and I would say most of the women who are in our black women parlay network and beyond we're not your average consumer. Mm-hmm. We've spent too long not being catered to as consumers. So when you want to turn your face now and say, we want your money, my first question is, why am I going to give you my money when there are other companies that have checked for me for all those years? Yes. And or- I think they don't realise that. Like it's, it's as if they don't understand how discerning a group of people we actually are. You can't just now say to me that you're all about black women because you haven't been. <laughs> like I've been here <laughs> watching you not be about me. Listen, okay. I I was talking to somebody from she was a senior marketer mm. at a French luxury goods house and she was based in New York. And she was talking to me about like there was a scandal that a black person went into Chanel. Oops, I said the name. Whoops. Anyway, um, don't matter. It can get edited out. And (laughs) basically, they're not looking at us as their consumers. And they're not prepared to change their marketing to even envisage us as their consumers. Because even sometimes when I think about it, and I do not even matter, how many times... I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to think of a black celebrity who carries a Chanel bag like that because mm. I can think of like black celebrities who all have Hermes Birkins mm. Mm. do you see what I'm saying like and don't get me wrong I'm not saying it's any less racist I'm j- I don't know by the way but I'm just saying like I can't think of black celebrities who are into Chanel like that like that mm. but we're not there that we're not their consumer you know, and the the irony about it is, especially for like luxury houses, do you know the things that make them rich? The small goods, the things like key rings, wallets, card, mm. all of this stuff that's accessible or their, you know, their accessible lines like Emporio Armani or Armani Exchange, all that stuff, where who are them, who are predominantly their consumers? Mm. Black, black people. Mm. But they're not marketing to us. And I think now there's a particular... I would say a particular type of black woman where we're not shopping to shop just for the sake of it. You're shopping with intentionality. You're shopping with the view of if I buy this, if I buy this silk blouse, I expect it to last for 10 years. I'm not buying it because I need to buy another one next in the Mm. next three months. We're looking for quality. We're looking for values. It's not just buying. Mm. Mm. And I think they have to start to, and I think that's part of our authenticity coming through, which is we're no longer going to try to buy into brands that don't buy into us. I think so. And I think there's um, there's kind of a collective understanding that that is the power that we currently have. Mm. You know, that's kind of what I'm hearing from so many of the conversations like that we have or that the, you know, women in our network have. It's like Mm. we get that now. And also we are galvanizing. Mm -hmm. Great word. Around that kind of understanding. Um, And I think this is what's forcing the 
the kind of almost incessant forcing of we love black women from these brands it's like they're recognizing that this movement and this shift is happening um and they're trying to react to that it's mm-hmm. like but again we can see through it it's a bit like when you were talking about you doing your due diligence mm-hmm. you know, with with your man from the the, the ambassador right. guy. it's just like we've we're all doing due diligence for each other now because mm-hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't take very long for someone to be like you know that that brand does x y or z correct <laughs> and, and, and it's one of those things it was like you know when I put on my other hat the CEO hat it's one of those things that like this is the conversation I keep telling so many organizations your reputation isn't the one that you have your marketers for for black women your reputation is is it cool to work there what is the interview process like have you had any issues there and if another black woman tells you no and we have the data and the stats to prove it 25 percent of the women who completed our survey said their decision to take a job or work for certain organizations is based upon the stories of other women black women yes right yeah I mean, it's the same thing. I was talking to um, I was talking to a client about actually about your survey, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I said to them, it's the same. It's this. It's like so for me, if I go traveling, if I'm if I'm going anywhere, I will get online straight away and I'll be like, you know, I'm going to Argentina. What is Argentina like for Black women? I Listen, be- that is why they what's it called the Green Book, right? The Green Book, right? Yes. Yeah, that, that is exactly. Like, okay. I, that I always talk about Green Book as well. Right, it, right. Yeah, that is that, that's what we do is this place safe for me right. yes then i need to hear that not from company travel. not not from trip travel. Advi- not trip yeah, advisor or, bl- or blue to black tomato or blue tomato or yeah. mr and mrs smith that is all great it is i need to hear this from the mouths of other black people who have been there and who have experienced it right that is what i will trust always right Um, and it's the same it's the same when companies are looking to bring people this is why you know again you and i talk about this all the time but you can you can recruit you can set yourself a recruitment target all day every day black women in and the fact that you want to get more black women into your organization is the laudable thing because black women are brilliant so it makes sense but but if you haven't if you haven't sorted out what's going on underneath that, all you're going to have is more black women telling other black women to stay away from you. That's it. And then they'll leave. You know, and it's it's and again, it's sort of like you have to understand how we are incredibly discerning and we have power now. We know that we are in demand as flavor of the month time. Right. It's everybody wants a black woman to work for them I've, mm-hmm. I've had people call me up for jobs that I am unqualified for <laughs> right it's like I am not a Drupal developer stop calling me please you know I run my own company I have a job yeah if but, I knew what that was but yes <laughs> you know but the fact is so we're getting called left right and center so we've got actually lots of places that we know that want us now mm. this is good so we have a you know a sense of empowerment. We have the ability to say, okay, actually, I'm being offered more opportunities now than I used to, and it's partly because of what's going on in the world. But actually, I'm not going anywhere until I know that that place is safer, better, offers me more than the place that I'm currently in. It's not. I don't have to. I'm not. I'm not moving out of desperation. No. 
And I was going to say to you one more interesting thing, and this is this was a super interesting trend that I've come across, and I've been told about this by quite a few different Black women, is what a lot of organisations are doing at the moment is they're asking inclusive recruiters to find Black female candidates. Mm. But the thing is, the candidates that they find aren't relevant for the job, but they will still bring them to interview because when you start to look at their diversity numbers, yeah. they can then say that, okay, last year we only had 2% of interviewees were, uh, were black women. This year we've increased that to 20%, which then perpetuates the myth about, you know, black women aren't capable for the job, etc. Oh, yes, bring it on the sherry. <laughs> Um, you know, perpetuates the myth that black women aren't capable to do the job. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's that part around self-preservation once again in doing the due diligence. If you know that you are wholly unqualified or this is not your job, don't yeah. go for the job and believe it's a stretch assignment because yeah. they're doing it to skew their diversity figures, not because they have any intention of really hiring you. Yeah. And that's the sad thing, isn't it? Because the the time and effort that goes into papering over the cracks like that it's like why don't you just fix your company and make it better for black women to work there why don't you put your time into that rather than putting your time into skewing the numbers because a lot of organizations you're right are doing that you know because again though they've targeted people on the wrong thing and so they're driving the wrong completely wrong behavior how many people have have we got coming through the funnel you know or whatever it might be and it's like well then all you get is someone saying, can we just see black people, please? They're not getting the jobs though, but we are we are talking to them and it's and that's and that's a that's an improvement step. Yeah. And this is and this is how self-preservation becomes even more important because it's that part about saying, What am I what am I giving my energy to? Yeah. What, who, and why? Yeah. Because once you realize that you're expending energy in sorts, in places and spaces that don't deserve you, you realize how much energy you're wasting, but also how much damage you're doing to yourself. Yeah. Because self-preservation for me isn't just from a defensive protectionist kind of perspective. It's also going on the offensive and saying, well, what can I do less of to protect myself? Yeah. Oh, completely. Because otherwise you can't, you can't drive like you know if we're you know you you and I are you know kind of very similar in this sort of purposeful mission-led kind of approach to life Mm -hmm. so if I'm divvying up my energy and I'm putting it in the wrong places that actually means that my mission's going to suffer um but all that happens is I'm wasting I'm wasting this you know it goes nowhere but again to, to kind of have that conversation with yourself and be like okay there are some things here that I really need to consider. One is, what do I deserve? Which is such an important word that you used. What do I deserve to do? What do I want to do? Uh, Therefore, what have I got to stop doing in order to facilitate that? You know, and why am I doing those things that waste for? Uh-huh. What is that about? I remember having a conversation with Shireen, like in the before times that, you know, um, saying oh yeah you know I'm really kind of I'm really focusing on you know talking to people who are but I really wanted to like the hardest 
like the hardest people to try and change their minds and she was like but why I was like I just you know if I could crack that company or I could crack that person you know that's you know she's like but but why are you wasting your time on them I was like I actually don't know what that was for like I don't know who that was for what was I trying to do what was I trying to prove and now it's like and that sort of started a kind of little uh sort of dominoes set of who do I want to work with who do I not want to work with what am I going to put my time into what am I not going to put my time into where does where's the benefit for me and my personal mission but also for what I'm trying what we're trying to achieve as a company like why I'm not aligning myself to people who are not interested in doing what we're trying to do I don't need to do that anymore um there are enough people who are so let's focus on them with this in mind. Like these are your values and this is what drives you. So mm-hmm. you need to not spend your energy on anything that doesn't sit in that box. Yep. Seems obvious now. It doesn't because I think this t- like you've started me on another one. Um I think ah, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not a bad thing. I think there's something within the black psyche that we believe struggle is the only way to succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I'm not even just talking about like I'm not even just talking about work I'm talking about like you know this concept of being like a ride like ride or die chick I know we don't say it like that in the UK but this whole concept of you know staying with sticking with a man through to the bitter end yeah there's ups and downs but why is it always at the sacrifice of my personal peace and well-being and men you know all of this kind of stuff where we've just been programmed to always see it through and and I think sometimes when we forget is that like back in the day when they were talking about seeing everything through but it was because it was for the glory in another life not for this one do you see what I mean it's like yeah it doesn't have to always be a struggle and I think the other thing is that we take for granted not everything is easy, right? But we take for granted that sometimes things can just be straightforward yeah. by by omitting. And, and, and I think about this, you know, in the context of friendships as well, right? We don't like to accept that friendships are for a season. Now, the duration of the season can be six weeks. It can be 10 years. It can be to the bitter end when you both end up in a, either as ash or whatever. But we still hold on to things that aren't good for us mm. for nostalgia for it's been so long we go way back all of these things that aren't healthy behaviors because we sometimes think it's more important to hold on to a piece of history than it is to move forward in many cases yeah. and it's that yeah. it's sometimes I think the difficulty is knowing how to prioritize what is damaging me versus what is you know what's damaging me what's hindering me versus what's helping me and what's demanding in a good way that I grow yeah yeah I think that's it isn't it and I think but again it comes down to how comfortable we are doing things that benefit us because we've Mm -hmm. been we've been programmed conditioned socialized to not do that it's like you were saying like the the struggle the toil that's where actually we get our 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 kind of our glory comes from right Right. so she's so hard she's pushed through that actually creating a life for yourself which is easy and that you enjoy is not something that we have been taught to celebrate 
but think about it right if I think about like my grandparents generation they came over to the UK in the 50s right mm. they worked hard they went out with their stuff like it's not like they never partied right so they worked hard they parted but this concept of hobbies hobbies mm. that you just sit around and do things for fun <laughs> mm. Mm. no they didn't have hobbies. They had hobbies later on in life when they'd retired because they retired early and then started traveling like around Europe. Mm. My parents developed hobbies in later life. Our generation, we've had hobbies since we were kids. Mm. 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 So they didn't always do it. But this part about we've had hobbies, but it was the, the hobbies had always been tied to, I don't know, doing Duke of Edinburgh Award because it looks good on your UCAS yeah. for when you go to university, right? <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. learning, learning how to swim because everyone learns how to swim and there's loads of black kids that can't swim. Mm. You know, go playing hockey, tennis, whatever, because that was all part of school. Okay, when yeah. all this kind and of that's stuff. different, isn't it? Because it's extracurricular. That's not, you know, we don't, again, it wasn't like a, for personal growth, I want to be, a, you know, no, I want to it, it was, there was, gonna, it was defined to yes. a goal to help you achieve, to get you to the next stage. Mm. One, A plus B equals C, like that. Mm -hmm. And this concept of hobbies, I think I developed my hobbies. I developed a hobby like cooking because I didn't have to cook mm -hmm. from a young age. But this part of us always needing to do stuff, always needing to do stuff and be focused and driven. And because of the way society treats black women, I think that this part about creating space for ourselves to just enjoy yeah. is, is so important mm. because we will do every, we will do everything but take care of ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If, some, if, someone, if someone says to you, goes, no, go on, go on. As I was saying, it's, it's almost like you can expect that if, if I was doing something one thing and I knew that it would benefit someone else I'd happily do it if I knew that that same thing was just to benefit me I'd think twice always think think about when you're potentially meant to be relaxing on the sofa and you got your phone in your hand mm. and then all of a sudden you get this massive wicked idea you're inspired now you're like yeah this is such a cool idea and your fingers are going you're like yeah man but you know what I've got this idea but that's meant to be you relaxing mm. but you're not mm. someone says can you do this yeah yeah man I'm coming I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that yeah taking the 10 minutes oh yeah how was your day oh yeah I never even had time to go to the toilet to do why not I just had stuff to do <laughs> I stayed up all night because I had stuff to do mm. Mm. and it's getting out of that mentality of or do you know like when we say when you know when you talk to each other and you go yeah but you know how it is we're black women. We always get stuff done. The thing is, right? The and challenge with that is it's true. True. Listen. It, it, it's true. It is. Also, we do need to. We need to create space, like you say. So we need to create space to enjoy. We need to create space to just explore for no reason whatsoever. We need to create space to understand our own experience all of these things which actually for us are luxuries we don't get to sit around and just you know navel gaze because we're too busy getting stuff done because mm -hmm. that's that's just how we've always operated but actually and, and again like with 
when I now look at my team and I think about, you know, the things I'm encouraging them to do. And it's like, I want them to take the time to reflect on mm-hmm. who they are, how, how they are, what they do, you know, their previous experience, um, previous work experience, their previous work trauma, all of those things that you don't get a chance to think about because we're too busy getting stuff done. But actually, these are things that help you grow. Right. You know, if, you, if you're not taking the space, not taking the time, your growth is going to be actually quite limited and very kind of narrow in focus. If the only thing we can grow into is a role or grow into, you know, a, a, specific... a glorified workhorse in yeah. every single part of our lives. And, you know, I think about this part. You don't know what you're, or you, you will never find out who your authentic self is until you go on a path of discovery. Mm. Absolutely. You don't know. You don't know what you like if you never try. You don't know if you like to travel. You don't know if you like to read. You don't know if you like books. You don't know if none of this stuff. If you're always running on the treadmill, you never mm. get to actually walk on in the park and smell the fresh air. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, and that for me is the part where authenticity and self-preservation in that sense go hand in hand. Because you first of all have to discover who you are to preserve it. Because mm. the, the worst thing, and when I say dying of a broken heart, not because a man's broken or, you know, your partner's broken your heart, but because you've got to the end of your life and you've gone, I don't even know who I was. Mm. All I did was I ran through my life and now I'm sitting here. I can't even tell you if I'm happy with what I've achieved. Yeah. I can't tell you if I'm happy with what I have achieved. I've got the accolades. I've got the money. Mm. But I don't think that was what I wanted. I've done the things. All right. of these things that I have done. Right. Right. What does it actually mean for me? Is it what I wanted? You know, when you do when you look back and you're like, okay, so I know that I'm here. Did I want to be here? Like I'm happy with where I am, I guess, but did I want to be here? Is this the journey? Yes. Yeah. Right. You, you right. know? it's like Hmm. this is where for us now like for us as women for us as black women this moment that we're in where the world seems to have realized that we exist actually this is the time for us to take the space because all of those people out there who are saying we want you to even though they don't um (laughs) at least we we kind of we we we've been given that permission that we need you know because we do right. need it, unfortunately, but they're giving it to you. They don't mean it, but take, they're giving it to you. So take, take it, it. Take, exactly. Take, take, take it, it on. Take it on the face value of which it is being given. Mm, absolutely. Take, take it. Take it and take the space and learn about yourself and think about what you want and think about what you deserve mm. and start demanding it. You use words that are just so important about what do you what do you deserve and be. I tell people this, so I speak to so many black women. I'm like, be demanding of your environment of the people mm. you work with of the friendships of the friends that you have now mm-hmm. be demanding and I don't mean be a douche but I mean demand what you deserve right you know right it's like it's like it's, it's the fine line between being picky and selective right 
absolutely picky means that you ain't got that is that you ain't got nothing to give selective means you know your value you know and you're your basing value. and you're basing it accordingly right absolutely i don't need to have people in my life now who are just going to take from me i've done that for a very long oh, time why are you starting on this topic now <laughs> because we don't even have time for this one <laughs> because this one right here I need to feel like we belong mm. is often traded at the price of being exploited yeah. by other people. Absolutely. And we do it for so long. For such a long time. And everybody hang, hang, was it hangs the carrot mm. in front of our faces and everybody else's carrot is gold and ours is made of shit. Yeah. and when you bite into it and you're like I got the carrot and this is what it is mm-hmm. like I could that is a whole different podcast <laughs> that I would just dedicate to get to black girls between the ages of 18 and 28 yeah. because yeah. you are in your I'm I like I don't know since I've been 30 just just confidence like I've, I've always been self-confident so it's never it's never been that but this next level self-confidence deep-rooted reassurance I don't know it feels different to when I was in my 20s right I was self-confident I was gobby and you know people back then used to call me arrogant or whatever and I shrugged it off because I didn't really care because I didn't think I was arrogant. I was like, arrogance is based on no substance. <laughs> but... <laughs> However, I know that I'm amazing. So, Correct, so you <laughs> But now in my 30s, it's like back to this word about intentionality. I wish so much, you know, you're so giving in your 20s because you genuinely believe that everybody has your back. And all of a sudden, as you push into your 30s and you start to make strides career-wise, even personal life, whether it's meeting your person, whether it's marrying your person, whether it's having kids or whatever it is, there's a real divergence in friendship and you are never prepared for it, never. And that right there, that moment is such a seismic shift and so destabilizing. And nothing prepared. It's it's worse than any heartbreak you've ever experienced. Oh, completely, completely. Because it's friendships that broken down, friendships that you thought were forever friendships. And when you realise what then, because you know the thing is, when they break down around you, you that's when you do start to kind of evaluate and explore and think, okay, what the hell just happened here? And when you realise what they were based on. <laughs> what you thought that they were based on i.e oh I thought we were like equal partners in this and actually what you realize is ah no you were taking from me the whole time and now that I am changing and now that I am shifting and I require that balance now our friendship doesn't, doesn't work. work that's interesting okay it's rough because you yeah. go through the archives and what mm. you realise is, is that your inexperience at listening to your instinct, or sometimes yeah. even listening to your mother, <laughs> telling you that they should, they're not a fan of that friend. Mm. And you're like, no, 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 it's all good, it's all good, she's cool, he's cool, blah, blah. You start to put all the pieces together and you realise how even, how uneven yeah. the friendship was, but that you're, you 
chose self-preservation, i.e. you didn't want to rupture a friendship on what you then believed were groundless reasons. And you sacrificed your authenticity for that. Well, this is the thing, but unfortunately, that moment, especially for black women, that moment is really important. It is. It's so formative because you have to kind of go, it's, it doesn't mean that it's fine from 28 plus, because frankly, we're still, you know, 28 to 35, we're still like tweaking. The whole Listen, thing. it's not even settled to it. Like I'm 38. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Still... I'm, I'm 38 and now like the dust is just settling, right? Right. So, but you do start to, you need those, like those anchor moments to be like, ah, okay. That was like my first wake up call. Okay, cool. And then my next one is when I realised, similarly, when I realised that a lot of the advice that I've been given isn't really advice for me. You know, it isn't about helping me grow. It's about keeping me in a place. Okay, I've got to now understand that. You know, I remember being taken out for for lunch by somebody who was very senior to me, but, you know, was supposed to be the kind of person who uh you know would create opportunities for me I was quite senior in um in the organization that I was in and at the at this lunch they said to me oh what you know what what do you want you know what do you want where do you want to be in five years and I said but I want the uh I want the CEO's job it made sense you know if I if I charted out my path it makes total sense and he said to me oh, do you know what, you know what, you should really think about um, hiding your ambition. And I was like, oh, okay. Like in my mind thinking, oh, right, okay. Yeah, so goodness me, I probably shouldn't have said that. I've got to be careful who I speak to. And then I had a conversation with my, one of my best pals, white male. um, And he had a very similar conversation with his boss. And he said, look, I want to, I want to be CEO. And this guy was like, cool right who can I introduce you to let's go let's go let's go and I remember thinking to myself how have I been listening to all of these people who have been ostensibly giving me advice but actually it took me ages to realize that that's not what was going on there so that was another formative moment for me when I was like right okay I've got to be much more discerning much more aware much more you know and unfortunately whether it's friendships or whether it's work or whatever the context is we have these little moments that are actually quite big that tell us right this is what life is and this is how you need to navigate and this is what you need to not forget about this experience here you know whether it's the first time you realize that your friendships are unbalanced or the friendships are based on you being subservient in some way correct first time that you realize that actually not everyone who's giving you advice wants you to succeed as a black woman oh okay that's really important for me to learn or the next time that you realize hey i've been reducing myself for someone else's company you know these are all these little milestones along the way right for for us to to figure out okay so how do we then navigate now with that knowledge now i've got that knowledge how do I keep building on that knowledge? And that's that's the growth bit. Mm-hmm. And that's where we need to take the time to evaluate ourselves. So when we're thinking about what does it mean to be authentic, I need to evaluate myself based on the experiences that I know I've had. Those things that we've just talked about, it's like, yeah, but they, they all form part of the reason that I am who I am now. How Correct. 
I'm not I, I I wasn't a confident person you know in you know before I started my company I wouldn't have considered myself to be a confident person but that kind of spectrum of, of authenticity so I've always been authentic but not necessarily confident in myself oh. and now I'm sort of coming to I'm sort of at the other end of it where I'm like I'm not just authentic I'm now very confident in who I am and what I'm about and what I'm trying to do and also who I want in my space to either help with that or support with that oh. or, do you know what I mean or, or or drive it with me um but the kind of reflection and introspection that you need to do in order to get to that place of confidence is massive yep. and going back to what we were saying before if you don't give yourself the time and space to do that how are you going to know because all life will then be is living to work or not yeah, work sorry working to live yeah. and living for holidays mm. which is no life at all considering out of 52 weeks you probably get four weeks holiday but yeah. also going back to what you were saying about hobbies it like I want to enjoy what I do you know and how can you enjoy what I mean I'm very lucky I do I love my job I love what I do I love the people I work with I just feel like I'm I'm the luckiest person on the planet but I've crafted that for myself Mm. I've crafted the life that I want or or I'm crafting you know Mm. the life Mm. that I want I'm crafting um with some incredible people that work with me the company that I want to help change the world and I really enjoy that so actually we are able to find the thing that we enjoy so that work doesn't have to be going back to what you were saying before all toil and struggle I can enjoy it and that's allowed you know I can work really really hard and have a smile on my face and nobody can say anything about that you know I for me before if I wasn't yeah struggling working hard constantly busy etc etc all those things that the corporate world you know kind of tells you things that are still used as signals of success oh yes we are all busy yeah we are but guess what same time we find time Mm. I find I find time to go sit somewhere and read some foolishness or I find time to be on TikTok for an hour or I find do you, you see what I'm saying like it's it's got to it's all constant choices mm. um you know recently I woke up one of the days and I had a headache and I just felt like I just felt groggy I felt rubbish and I know this is a privilege so I'm not saying that like I'm, I'm not saying this because you know this is what everybody else should do but I understood the honour and the privilege of being able to wake up and go, oh, my gosh, I cannot cope with today. I'm going to go hide. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the reality is, is that when I think back now, when I was in corporate, to be fair, one of my bosses, he was super cool like that. I'd wake up in the morning, but listen, I ain't coming to work today. I will work from home. And he'd be like, fine. Like, I can't, I can't cope with today. I'm just tired. Mm. They'd be like, cool, cool, cool. But this, but this is the point. And, like, we're, we're going to have to wrap up in a bit because time is flying. I mean, you could just talk mm. forever. Mm-hmm. But I think in many cases, you know, I'm not saying that it's all about having things the way we want because we know that's not the world we live in, right? It's just not. But same time, what I think is very, very important is understanding just like you know when you think about schools and education understanding how we learn Mm. understanding how we grow Mm. understanding what our key drivers are understanding what makes me fundamentally me Mm. 
and going on that journey of what makes you you because it doesn't matter you and I could sit down together and find a hundred things that we like that are the same but we could find a hundred thousand things that we like that are completely different Mm. and it's it's channeling that uniqueness that each one of us has to say this is what I am this is who I am but being in many cases brave enough to own it own our quirks own our oddities own our weirdness because for every single quirk and oddity we have everyone else has just got they've got theirs but they're hiding it Mm. Mm. so kit yes after all this real talk today because you know we've we've gone there and it's been a good like it's been a good conversation because there's so much food for thought where Mm. can people find you if you want to be found um people can find me on linkedin mostly um although not enough i know i know i didn't i did not say a word i was just listening and waiting soon people will be able to find me on linkedin after this now that i've said it <laughs> um but yeah linkedin um pretty much that's probably that's probably where that's where where i hang out mostly i'm not a big social media person as you know um but i like you know i'm on the circuit do some do some talks um they can find me on black women parlay <laughs> they can they can um and then your business as well don't forget to mention that uh yeah mindweaver so we are um we're a tech company really you know we, we're focused on bringing diversity and anti-racism to um, emerging technology we work with companies to think figure out how they fundamentally transform how they engage with predominantly black people and we look at anti-racism through the lens of people process and technology um we do really exciting things i've got a very very exciting team have a look at the website www.mindweaver.co.uk um and yeah we're we're just trying to change the world that's what we're trying to do love it so i'm going to thank our guests even though they're not here right now, but they will be, for <laughs> tuning in and listening to You Know Where to Find Kit. You can find me also on, hold on, I'm rubbish at this, Leanne Meyer on LinkedIn, at Leanne MM on Instagram. We have Black Women Parlay, which is an invitation-only network. So if you do want to join, you can either stalk Kit and see if she will recommend you, or you can find me either on, on uh, LinkedIn or Instagram and say, you know, why you'd like to join the whole the whole kind of deal behind black women parlay as i said is the sisterhood that you never knew you needed it's global we are growing and i have loads of exciting plans for the things we're going to do eventually we'll be doing retreats next time hopefully in one of the next podcasts i'll be wearing our merch nice our sweatshirt um but yeah so you know come in come and check us out we we have really really cool time one of our guests Mimi Grace from the podcast she came and talked to us about the need for black women in romance stories if you ever checked out my older podcast black female and dating you know I have strong opinions on that so um you know thank you very much and you can find us on Spotify and or Apple podcasts so that is all for today bye-bye